yourself, you know, I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I can't handle kids. You know, let's just insert blank. I can't. But I guarantee you one thing you can do is you can pray. Amen? One thing you can do is you can get on your knees before the Lord and you can exercise the authority that he has given us to take rightful dominion over the principalities and the powers of the air as he brings anointing to do so. One thing you can do is to pray the will of God that the Spirit of God brings to your lips to utter. And I got to tell you this morning, what we've got to do to pray this week, folks, this is not just an event to tickle some people's fancies. This is not just an event that Pastor CJ has dreamed about his whole life because it happens that John Jacobs has been one of his evangelical idols. No, I mean, that's that. I mean, he said as much as said that. He really uh, looked up to John Jacobs a lot. The man is anointed. He's not without fault. And we may or may not agree necessarily with where things are at or what he's doing. But the bottom line is we agree with the message. The bottom line is we agree with the purpose. And the bottom line is we're uniting with our pastor's vision to see the harvest that is white right now and has been brought in effectually. Amen. You know, I sat there just a minute ago and I was about undone because the spirit of God said, you know, Greg, John 316 doesn't say that for God so loved the church. Amen. So what that means to me is, is that there's a, a, a larger vision than what we have going on inside these four walls. I know I'm preaching to the choir here this morning, but I got four fingers pointing back for everyone coming out here. I got to get my heart stirred, folks, and I've been asking God to do it. And it just happened right there because when I realized that people say, oh, dear Lord, God, you've, you've, you've walked with God your whole life and you're saying you didn't understand John 3.16. No, I've understood it to a large degree about his love. But I got to tell you what, the vision is for everyone to come to saving knowledge of our God. Everyone. That's not my word. That's the word of the living God. He wishes none should perish. So here's what you can do. And let me give you some direction this morning. We were talking yesterday in our leadership meeting about practical steps. A lot of times I think leaders in the church, including myself, get so involved in, in, in the way in their revelations and the, where they stand in terms of their, their application of things to the kingdom of God. They forget and don't really even convey the, the, the practical side of things to the people so they know what to do. Amen. So let me give you a practical step here this morning. Everybody turn to Colossians chapter 4. 
Colossians chapter 4. This is what we need to do this week. We need to spend time doing some warfare in the spirit. Because there are people out there right now whose lives hang in the balance. There are people out there that are low-hanging fruit that the Spirit of God is just begging for an opportunity for the message to achieve a harvest for. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer. There it is. There it is, I said. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. Now this is the Apostle Paul for crying out loud. This is a man who was anointed with an ability for revelation that really outside of the the Bible, what's written here, we don't have a whole lot of historical record to document someone that would exceed him. Would anyone agree with that? This is the Apostle Paul who many miracles were wrought by his hand. Who came not in the wisdom, in the words of man's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. And yet we see Paul entreating of the church. Would you devote yourselves to prayer? Would you be watchful with me, folks? And while you're doing it, let's just go ahead and put a little faith in with it and be thankful that what you're praying is going to happen. And here's what he says. I need you to pray for one thing. I need you to pray that an effectual door would be open for the message. Now, why in the world would he pray that? I mean, why would he ask for people to pray that? Unless there's something about people devoting themselves to prayer to get on their knees before the living God and and cry out for him to do that. Cry out and and demand that this take place unless we play a vital role in it. We play a vital role in the spirit realm, folks. We have authority. We have right of access to come before the living God as intercessors, as priests before our God in whom we've been created. Not after the order of Melchizedek, but after the order of Jesus, our high priest. And we've got that right to come and get on our knees and cry out unto God and say, Oh, dear God, not my will, but yours be done. And what your will is, is that you, no one would would perish, but all would come to a saving knowledge of you. Your will is, is that you love the world so much you gave Jesus to him. And we're praying that a door be opened, that a door be opened into their lives. That they'll hear the message, that they'll receive it, and that it'll produce a harvest in their lives of righteousness. It says, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. And look what verse 4 says. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So, you know what, folks? I would just entreat of you by the Spirit this week. Let's spend a little bit of time doing this. 
Let's spend a little bit of time and get behind our pastor's vision to see the harvest here because it's not just his vision he carries. He carries that of Jesus Christ, of the Father. And you know what we can do, I don't care whether you can't pray or can't sing or can't do the things that in many man's eyes are the traditional aspects of ministry. Fully on that. This is the most important thing, really. We can, can, we can change heaven, folks, by getting on our knees. Because what happens, it's not that we're crying out that God will come to a place that he'll release what he wants to release. Oh, dear Lord. It's that we are demanding that the heavens be open for it to come. For that we are making a demand as the rightful authority in this realm that it happen. We are making a demand so that heavens can be moved. So God can do have a right of access here. That's what prayer does. Prayer gives God the right of access into this dimension. And so what we're doing this week is we're going to pray. We're going to get on our knees and we're going to say, oh, dear God, we're praying that an effectual door be opened. We want this to be not just any old evangelical event. We will influence to be an opportunity for divine destiny to be encountered. Divine appointment. And we're praying in accordance with your will because the apostle asked for it. Oh, dear God, we pray for an effectual door to be open. We stand against the things. I'm just giving you a model prayer. We stand against the things that would would try to hold that door shut. We stand against the, the impediments. We stand against the distractions. I'm praying this out as we sit here, folks. And I'm asking you to get behind me this week. Get behind Pastor CJ. Get behind John Jacobs and his team. For God so loved the world, folks, that he gave us Jesus. And you know what? I'm so proud to call him my Lord and my Savior. But you know, there's a whole lot of other people out there that God wants to hear that come from their mouth. And they're not there yet. Okay, praise the Lord. Merciful heavens, as my grandma Yupo used to say. Help us, Holy Spirit. Okay, so I'm not going to ask everybody to raise their hand, but I would ask you, please, in your heart, would you commit to spend a little time doing what this Colossians prayer says? Just pray this Colossians prayer. If you don't know how to pray, just pray the verse. Just pray that verse. Pray verse 4. Or in three and four. Just pray that, that an open door that would be, would be there. A door would be open to proclaim the message of Christ in that verse four that it would be proclaimed clearly. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Woo. Everybody turn to Genesis this morning. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, Pastor Dale.
You know, I've asked the Lord to help me. I've got a tremendous vision to equip the saints in ter- from a teaching perspective and the anointing and the giftings in me, but I see John 3.16, and I'm like, God, you got to help me. you got to help enlarge my vision. you got to help me have that tenderness of heart for the one who doesn't know you, God. <laughs> and I believe it's happening. <laughs> oh. You got to be careful what you ask for, amen? <sighs> okay. Okay, is everybody in Genesis 12? I can't see my book, my iPad. Mercy. Okay, so what I want to tell you about real quick, I'll just make a little bit of an announcement here. I can't even see you guys. You're like all blurry. Contacts are wonderful till you get some tears going. Thank you, brother. <laughs> you say, Greg, you're just a big old emotional bag. I'll stand before you and say I'm not ashamed because my emotions manifest the passion that's inside of me. And that passion don't come from my own energy. It comes from what the Holy Ghost will bring into a vessel that will open himself or herself. Ain't no glory to me. Every single one of us here is a vessel to not to contain but to transmit and allow the flow of God to come through. Amen. Every single one, equally valued, equally paid at the end of the day, too, I might add. Okay, so real quickly, I just want to make an announcement. The leadership in the church, we've been considering and just praying and asking God, you know, God, what is it that we need to be doing? What things do we need to, changes and adjustments do we need to make? And, you know, I, I appreciate Pastor CJ so much because... He's a man who, although he's senior pastor here, and that can kind of denote a lot of things in people's minds, and in the, most certainly in the pastor's mind, he's a person that I feel like the, the Holy Ghost, he has allowed the Holy Spirit to enlarge his perspective. He knows, folks, it's not the pastor's responsibility to conduct the work of the ministry. Let's just get that out this morning. And yet the problem is, is that, and I'm not talking about you all, but I'm just saying that the expectations from the body generally have been such that they put pastors in the grave because of an unrealistic expectation and because of the way pastors will place that upon themselves and try to assume everything they they can do and burn themselves out. We don't have a man in that office in C.J., And I so appreciate you, CJ, for being that way. And we're learning together, aren't we? Hallelujah for that. So one of the things that he's uh, 
asked the leadership to consider, and then he's come and talked to me about is leading a teaching ministry here at the church and uh, and going ahead and bringing a focus to that, bringing, carving that into to what we're doing. And uh, so I'm just going to tell you all that I told the other day we were having our meeting, uh, uh, Cornell and CJ and I, and we're talking, uh, <laughs> CJ calls it the preacher's club meeting. <laughs> I don't really like that term because it makes it have this like exclusive sound to it or like it's something special. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> so we were having our preacher's club meeting or PC meeting the other day. Man, we were just, you know, we start out in prayer and then it's just like just going, man. It's almost kind of like rapping, you know. We're all just like taking verses and and just extemporaneously going in the spirit with things. And it's just awesome how the Holy Ghost orchestrates stuff. Bottom line is, though, we ended up coming to the end. I felt like I told him, I said, you know, guys, we've we've uh, we've kicked the tires long enough. It's time to light the fires. To borrow a phrase from Top Gun. How many of y'all remember that movie? Kick the tires, light the fires. We've talked about this teaching thing for a long time and trying to bring it into the concept of a regular occurrence in the church. I'm not saying there hadn't been teaching here. Good golly, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying bringing it in and carving in a place for it, you know, into our regular scheme of services. And so I'm very excited to say we're going to light the fires, right, Pastor CJ? And starting April 16th, on a Wednesday, we're going to begin teaching the Word of God here as a regular part of what we're doing. It is going to be a teaching service. There's not going to be any worship. There's not going to be any prayer. There's not going to be anything else except one thing, and that is to teach the Word of God. Because that's what the service is about. It's about teaching. And the Holy Ghost has given me explicit directions and I've run these by CJ, by Cornell, by the ELT, explicit directions. It's going to be one hour. And those of y'all sitting there going, oh, dear Lord, it's impossible. Don't you look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> I don't know about you, but my Bible says through God, all things are possible. Amen. You know, it is possible, and we will do it, folks. One hour from 7 to 8, we're going to start April 16th. And you can look at this like going to Oklahoma State, a class. You go to class there, it's 50 minutes, 55 minutes. Got some time for question and answer? And we're going to work that in, too. How about that? So we're going to go one hour, pardon? 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Wednesday night, start April 16th. We're going to go for two weeks first, and then we're going to lay off for a couple weeks because, number one, I'm going to be gone, okay, uh, the following week, and then we have Father's Heart the week after that, starting on Thursday, and it's going to run for almost a week. So we want to give some time. We don't want to detract from, from the commitment to Father's Heart. Don't want to wear people out. But we're going to start this, and I invite you to come, folks. Man, we're going to have a good time. And you know what's so cool about it is the Holy Ghost is going to stitch all this together the best we can follow him. And it's not going to just be me and the talk, me as the talking head. The Holy Ghost is going to bring a team together and assemble a team. 
As I stand here now, we don't have that team. (laughs) But we're going to have that team as we move forward, okay? So it's going to be multiple people, not just me. It'll be the people I feel the Holy Spirit, you know, identifies. And as I take it to the leadership, as we pray, we're going to get this team together. And we're going to light the fires. Amen. Of the word of God. Okay, so April 16th, it's a Wednesday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. We will be done at 8 p.m., folks. And one thing I'll tell you is we talked about, CJ said, well, a lot of people like to hang around afterwards because I was so adamant that we are done at 8 o'clock. We are going to be done. I mean, we're going to turn the lights out. I mean, because I want people to know what to expect. You still have time to go eat supper and enjoy a good evening even after that. But yet you get a good little bolus of the word in the middle of the week. Will that be helpful for anyone? Praise God. Okay, and CJ said, well, hey, you know, people really kind of like to hang around and stuff. So why don't we think about maybe doing some snacks, you know, and hanging around 15, 20 minutes? Okay, that's that sounds good, Pastor. We'll do that. So if people want to do that, that's fine. But when 830 comes, we are turning the lights out and locking the doors. Okay. I know this almost sounds religious. It's not, folks. I'm just very passionate about what I want, what this wants to be, what the Holy Ghost wants this to be. He wants people to know what to expect. You don't come here and it's like, oh, dear Lord, is it going to be an hour and 45 minutes before Greg gets done? Is it going to be an hour 30? Who will take two hours, two hours and five minutes? Who will take two hours and ten minutes? No, it's not going to be that. It's going to be exactly what I say. It's going to be one hour. Okay, does everybody hear that? All right, praise the Lord. Pardon? Is there child care? There will be. That was a little detail. Did we talk about I don't remember if we talked about that, CJ. (laughs) He says, Pastor CJ says there will be. Okay, amen to that. Okay, praise the Lord. I'm going to share a very, very quick message. Okay? Not going to get into a whole lot here. I pretty much, I think, preached a little bit of a message, didn't we? I want to leave you with something. I'm going to share a word with you. When we had worship night back in January or February, the last one that we had, the one that we had the eternal uh, fire tunnel. (laughs) Todd's laughing. Uh... (laughs) I was praying for a particular couple, Melody and I were, and the word of the Lord came very strong to me. And that word has just been rolling in my spirit because I felt like the Holy Ghost said that there's, that this is applicable to a, quite a few more people than the, just those people. So I'm going to get, just get right into it. We're not going to get pussyfoot around on this deal. Um, I had you turn over to Genesis chapter 12. How many, of us, how many of us know what's, what's, what this starts? This, this starts the chronicling of the story of Abram. He's a pretty important figure, isn't he, in the Bible? I would invite you to spend some time. We're not going to go through scriptures this morning. I would invite you to spend some time going through these few chapters account of Abram's life. There's a tremendous, a tr- some tremendous things to learn here. And the Holy Ghost was already given me. I believe what we're going to talk about in in some of our teachings on Wednesday night. I don't know whether I'm going to do it in the first two weeks or afterwards. It may be the first two weeks. We'll just have to see because I thought I was going to do something else. But, man, it was just a download. And it's about trusting God. 
Oh, my goodness. Abram's life is a clinic about trusting God. If you read those chapters... Now, did I say Abram trusted him perfectly? Oh, no. I'm just saying that Abram's life, his journey is a clinic to learn about trusting God. I think we need to, to grow in this. I think we need to buoy ourselves up to found ourselves and to shake ourselves and ask ourselves, do we trust God or not? And if we feel like we do, really how far... I mean, you know, it's kind of like what Kenneth Hagin said, the proof of pudding's into eating. How far does that trust go, really? Ask yourselves that question this morning. Now I want you to turn over to Genesis chapter 15. So I just wanted to show you Genesis chapter 12 starts the story of Abram. I want you all to spend some time reading from Genesis 12 on. Read a little bit about Abram's journey. And I want you to think about trust as you do that. So let's turn over to Genesis 15. Oh, my goodness, I have to control myself. Holy Ghost, help me. Whew. There is so much here, and it's about covenant, and I have a tough time not talking about covenant here. We'll talk just to maybe a little bit about it, but I can't go, I can't go crazy here because I just got like a couple minutes. So in Genesis chapter 15, suffice it to say, Abraham or Abram has, he's come a few miles. He's come a few circumstances. He's come a few promises and reiterations of that promise. It's the same promise that starts out in Genesis chapter 12. You'll see that. But then God reiterates it to him multiple times. And he kind of gives him a different perspective of it every time, you know. And he even has him take some steps like go walk through the width and the breadth of it. The land's not his now, but he says, it's going to be yours. Go walk through the width and breadth of it. So he has him go do some faith steps. He has to fight some battles. You know, he makes a little, a few mistakes here and there. He goes back to Egypt for a little bit because of a famine. There's some real significance in terms of what happens there. But the bottom line is the whole time along the way, we see Abram go back to a place that he calls on the name of the Lord. And, you know, if you look at that, it's pretty interesting because it's between Bethel and Ai. Bethel means the house of God, and Ai means a pile of ruin. Does anybody this morning find their lives in the balance of a greatness and awesomeness of the kingdom of God in your life and utter desolation? You know what? I tell you, Chris is saying amen. Brother, are you between Bethel and Ai right now? You know what? That's a place to call on the name of God. Because that's what our father Abram did. It says that. He did that multiple times. He did it the first time he was on his way down. And then when the famine came, he went to the world. He went to Egypt because he got a little bit, you know, trying to find out what's going on in terms of seeking a provision. He had some tenuous moments there. But then he left okay, but guess where he went? He went back to that place between Ai and Bethel, and he called on the name of the Lord again. And so then we see some journeys here and some things that take place, and we see not only, you know, God reiterate the promise, but then we see a man, Melchizedek, confirm that promise, confirm the blessing on his life. 
There's real significance there. We just do not have time to go into all this. But what we are going to cover right quick is a word to you this morning. So if we look on down here to verse 2, it says, But Abram said, Lord God, and this is after he's had this promise repeated to him multiple times and confirmed by a man in terms of the blessing of God on his life. Not necessarily the promise, but the blessing of God, the favor of God. We see Abram come to a place that he questions God. Now, he's not questioning the integrity of God's word. He's just asking for a more specificity in terms of something that can help ground his soul. Amen? He says, since I'm childless and heir of my house, what are you going to give me, God? You know, and he, cause all he can, uh, really what he's doing is he's just stating the circumstance. Cause he, uh, cause really all he can see, and he's trying to work through this with his soul. And he's saying, you know, look, you know, I, I don't have any offspring, but I got a slave in my house. And so I, he's trying to reason that the potential might be the promise would be brought through this slave. Yeah, he's trying to reason through and potentially bring, give God, a, give God a right of access to maybe make the promise happen that way. That's not what God has in mind, right? We all know that. And it says the word of the Lord came to him and he told him, he said, nope, not this one, but one that's going to come from your own loins. He said, son, I've already told you that before, but I'll tell you it again. Then he said he took him outside. I was outside last night. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful evening. Beautiful. I was looking up at those stars and I was thinking, oh, dear God, I'm looking at the same stars Abram probably looked at back in the day. He says, look at the sky, Abram. Count the stars. He says, if you're able to count them, (laughs) he said, your offspring's going to be more numerous than that or be as numerous as that, I should say. So he gives him a visual, you know. And then look at what verse 6 says. Abram believed the Lord. He believed the Lord and it was credited to him as right standing with God. Now, there is so much to talk about here and I have no time to talk about it. But let me tell you, set you up. That's right. He see, he, he already knows how preacher, good preachers do. They set you up and then you say, you come tune in to the station this time, this hour. Cause that's right. You come back on Wednesday the 16th. Let me give this to you, though. That word believe, if you look at the original Hebrew that that word came from, it ain't believe. Well, let me just put it this way. It's not just believe. It's trust. It's trust. It said Abram trusted the Lord. You know, it's not enough just to believe in something. You know, Jesus said the, the demons believe and shudder in him. But you know, the problem is believing and trusting are two different things. Y'all see that? When I saw that, I about came unglued. I was like, oh, dear Lord, this goes perfect with what you're giving me. God, I think you know what you're bringing to me. You know what you're doing here. Abram, you could just put the word in there, trusted the Lord. And it says because of that trust, it says that God credited right standing with him. He credited him in a position of acceptance in a position that the door of heaven was open over his life. Amen. Y'all see that? 
Now that's a small word. Now here's the big one. So God tells him, or, but Abram, he says he believed, but then he comes down here in verse 8. And you can see the, the soul of Abram at this time. He said, oh, Lord God, and you can't say he didn't trust God because the scripture before just said he did. But yet he's asking God a question. Oh, Lord God, how can I know that I will possess it? Can, can, can you just, can you give me an anchor for my soul? My heart is saying, oh, yeah, this is right. But can you, do you see fit to give me an anchor for my soul? That's the way I see that. Isn't God good? Because he gave him an anchor. He gave him an anchor. I mean, God didn't even say yes. He just said, son, go bring me all these animals. Go get them. You know, I'm about to tell you something that maybe you've never understood before. You know, when it comes to a place that you're really at a place of trusting the Lord, but yet you need something to ground your soul to, it's about the time for, it's about a time for sacrifice. You're not going to get away without having to, to, to go through some sort of a sacrifice here. But God will tell you what that is. He'll, he'll ordain it. He'll tell you what to bring. And he was very specific, told him what animals to bring. And it says in verse 10, so Abram brought all those to him. He split them down the middle. He laid the pieces opposite each other. And this is where I'm going, because this is where a lot of people sit right now. So I want everybody to listen very closely. Many of you right now have understood a lot of what I've talked about, and you've gone, you've come this far. You're at a place that you trust God. You're at a place that you have walked and you have fought battles and you have been detoured, but you've come back and you've called on the name of the Lord and you've reminded him of that promise. And the Lord has reiterated the promise and has done, has not only just reiterated it to you, but given it to you even through men to give you different perspectives of that promise so you can see it more fully. You may have even taken steps in faith to walk the width and breadth of the thing that God's called you to. But you don't have it manifested yet. And so you're at a place this morning and you're saying to God, Oh God, how can I know though in my soul? I got to get my soul to have an anchor this morning. You know, God is so good. He'll give that to you. But I think he gives it to the people that have come to a place that they're resting and trusting in the heart. You know what I'm saying? Because that's where Abram was at. But God is so good, man, he's long-suffering. And I got to tell you this morning, you have laid your sacrifice down. You have done what God has told you to do. And those pieces stand before you right now in the living God. And you're at a place where, let's move on in this scripture. Verse 12, 11, birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. You're at a place where the birds of prey have been flying over your pieces. You're at a place where the birds of prey are coming down to take your sacrifice away. That thing that you've done, those instructions that you've followed to the T, that you're waiting on God to manifest something for. And yet here come the birds of prey swooping down. I tell you by the word of God, it's a picture of where many people sit in this building this morning. I'm bringing a message of hope this morning, folks. Because it says that Abram 
drove those birds away. And I don't think those birds came just one time. I don't think they came twice or three or four times. I think they continually came as long as the light was there. And Abram had to fight and take the sticks and beat at the air and keep those birds off the pieces. I don't have to tell you what those birds represent in your life right now. I think we can understand that very clearly. The attack of the enemy, the principalities, the things that would work and bring resistance against you, try to steal from you what you put out before God. And it says, as the sun was setting, folks, I got to tell you this morning, you may be at a place where you have fought to the bitter end, where the darkness is now setting in over your environment and you're losing your ability to see where you're at much less conduct and wage the warfare you need to over your pieces. Do we see someone else that was there too at one point in time? That's what we're reading about. And it says that a darkness, a deep sleep, as the sun was setting, says a deep sleep fell on Abram. And suddenly great terror and darkness descended on him. I know that folks, there are folks in this room this morning that are in this place. They're at a place where there they don't even see the light of day that they had before to understand even where they're at anymore. But I got to tell you, just like the story of Abram here in following God, I got to ask you this morning a question. Did Abram follow God to come to this place? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So I'm telling you, man, have your hope buoyed this morning. You're following God. Just because you got the birds flying and the darkness descending upon you doesn't mean you need to question where you're at. Now, you need to constantly be checking in and making sure of your actions. But you need to understand that that the process of your obedience to God will lead you through this. And it says in verse 13, then the Lord said to Abram, know this for certain. Everybody say that this morning. Know this for certain. I like what the King James says. Know for a surety. Know for a surety. Know for a surety. What was it that Abram asked God that got him into all this mess? Yeah, he, he asked him to, he asked God, he said, how can I know? How can I know? And here's the almighty Jehovah God. After he's brought him to what seems to be a bitter end. A bitter end of obedience. And a bitter end of result and manifestation in his life. And then when it gets to that place. You know, I've heard people call God. You know, we have all those Hebrew Hebrew names, you know. Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Rapha and all this. Well, how about Jehovah Nicotin? I didn't know. I didn't come up with that. I've heard people say that. That's good. Because I got to tell you, Jehovah God oftentimes comes up right at the right time. But listen now, but listen now, but listen now. For the people who trust him. That's where where my father Abram is at. He trusted God. That's what the scriptures before said. And Jehovah Nicotin came in. Right when Abram was spent, right when Abram had spent his energies to the point that a deep sleep fell on him and darkness seemed to envelop him. And the, and the substance of what he had of his sacrifice was ultimately open for, for rape and pillage by the enemy. 
And Jehovah Nicotine came in. He says, no, for a certain, no, for a surety. And I got to tell you, folks, by the word of God this morning, no, for a surety. No, for a surety. Just like Abram. And he tells him the promise again. And then we see the manifestation of God in two ways. After he reiterates the promise in very in great detail, and not only the promise, but he talks about some pretty disparaging things that are going to happen, <laughs> you know, through this process. But then he tell, but then we see the manifestation of the word of God, the manifestation of the smoking fire pot and the flaming torch. The flaming torch, the entrance of your word brings light. That represents the word of God. The smoking fire pot, who is that? That's the Holy Ghost. Because we need the Spirit and the Word to go between those pieces on our behalf. That's what it did. It went between those pieces. And we know at that point in time, that was the very essence of God in terms of His Spirit and His Word that was sure that He was speaking to Him, coming to seal the covenant between Him and Abram. That's what it was. It established the foundation for the promise to be yes and amen in Abram's life. Because he trusted God. He came to a place of trust. Now the covenant could be cut. So I want to tell you this morning, and we'll be done. Would you would you stand with me this morning? I just hear the word of the Spirit of God to you this morning. No for surety. No for surety. No for certain. That what you've committed unto me, I will keep to that day, is what God says. And he'll not only keep it, he'll cause it to come to pass. Don't give up this morning. Don't give up. I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care how many birds you've got to wheel off your pieces. Don't give up. Know for a surety that you can trust in God. You know, and my soul says, what else are we going to do? What else are we going to do? We're going to trust God, amen? We're going to trust God. And Father, we declare this morning as our father Abram, as this models to us, we desire to declare our trust to you. We desire that trust be, Father, developed and built into our lives, oh God. I think we've got a, a, a multitude of, of, of folks in different areas and, and, and levels of trust. And, oh, God, we just ask this morning by the Holy Ghost. We ask by, by the word of God that we would receive a rhema word, oh, God. We ask for your light to come into our lives, Lord, and to, to illuminate, Father God, where we are at. Oh, God, to show us, Father God. Where we stand, Father God, and where we're headed. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we thank you, Father, for what you've called us to for such a time as this, Father. For the great and precious promises, Lord God, that are ours in in Jesus. And so we just cry out unto you, Father. Father. Father, thank you. Thank you this morning for that light. Thank you, Father God. And we declare from our heart that we can trust and we will trust and we will rely wholly upon it, O God, this morning.
thank you for what you're doing, O oh God. And again, Father, we are stirred, Lord. Stir us, holy God, this week, Father, to pray. Oh God, to take our rightful dominion and authority in your, in the name of Jesus. Father, to pray for those effectual doors. Father God, to pray, Father God, for those souls, Lord, that hang in the balance, oh God. To pray for them, Father God, that they would, Lord, be able to come and receive freely of your gift, oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, our master. We confess him as Lord this morning. Jesus, you are Lord. You are Savior. You are Master. We believe in our heart that you came down here, Jesus, and you gave yourself fully so that we could be filled with your fullness, hallelujah, in your life. And we proclaim our belief and our trust in that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.